sticks. I was going to try doing two chapters, but it's a bit too much, I think, to get two chapters in. So, so we'll stick with chapter six. There's a lot in there in chapter six. We are privileged to understand what the will of the Lord is in the future. And that's a great privilege we've got, that we understand the future and what is coming upon this world. And that really should have some impact on our Christian life now. Because now is the day of grace, the gospel of the grace of God. Which the lost we should be thinking about now, because the horrendous things that is going to happen to all those who are lost is, you just can't contemplate it, really. It's terrifying. We'll, we'll read chapter 6, and we're going to have to read chapter 24 as well, because the Lord Jesus Christ speaks of these first judgments in Matthew chapter 24. So we'll refer to that in a minute. But I'll read the whole chapter of chapter 6. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals... And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four living creatures saying, Come. Now, when you're authorised, that says, Come and see. But the emphasis on the ESV is, Come. It's much more powerful, yes. The judgments to come. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering, and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third living, living creature say, Come. And I beheld and lo, a black horse. He that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou not hurt the oil and the wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come and see, or just come. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and Hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto them, every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest for a little season, 
until their fellow servants, also their brethren, that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sockcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll, when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens in the rocks of the mountains, and said unto the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? The interesting thing, when you get to the end of these seals, the seventh one is missing. Notice that. <laughs> it's not in chapter 6. The seventh seal is not in chapter 6. The seventh seal is found in chapter 8, because there's a parenthesis of chapter 7 in between. And when we read the seventh seal, it's even worse than the judgments that have just been poured out in the sixth seals. Because chapter 8 says, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Well, just think of that. The judgments of the trumpets, the, seventh, the sixth, seventh seal introduces the judgments of the trumpets, which are much more expansive and intensive and they contain three wars another interesting thing to note just as before we go on the, you notice the four and three combination, it's a four and three combination yeah. four horses of the apocalypse and then another three and the trumpets are the same it's four and three which all make seven. Seven is a very key word in the Bible of completeness of judgment. So the, these seals represent God and his providential judgments. Now we tend to think of providence as good. There's a good sense of providence, isn't it? God is good to us in his providence. But this is providential judgments, which is a little bit different. Providential judgments in scripture, it's a function of divine sovereignty. God is king over all he does, he does and he wills. He's in control of all natural forces in this world and all the happenings that happen in this world. He is in control of it. That's what it means by his providential judgments. Now I'm just going to take a little bit of time to go into Matthew chapter 24. I can't read it all, but I'll read certain part, passages of it. It's the Olivet Discourse, which is future. The Lord is talking about the future here. And I'll read from verse 5. Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. 
And you shall hear of wars, rumours of wars, see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diver places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because the iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. That, that verse I've just read there causes a lot of problems for some Christians. Because they then think, this is not future. They're thinking, what if I don't endure unto the end? Am I going to be lost? doesn't mean that. This is all future. The church is already gone. The church is in glory. And then this, verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. That verse is important for the fifth seal. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yes, the fifth seal is related to the gospel of the kingdom. Now we all know that when Jesus came, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. And we all know that that gospel of the kingdom was rejected by the Jews. We will not have this man to reign over us. They rejected their king. And when Jesus knew that the gospel of the kingdom was going to be rejected, then he says in Matthew 16, doesn't he, I will build my church. And this is that lovely mystery which was revealed to Paul, the church. It's wonderful, isn't it? And the church has a, a, a dignity of its own. As Christians, we're part of the kingdom, but the church is very special. And it's lovely to see that, isn't it? That's the case. But now, when we come to Revelation, we learn that the gospel of the kingdom is going out again because that verse we've just read was future so now there is people going out preaching the gospel of the kingdom and there are those who are accepting the gospel of the kingdom and they're bearing testimony to the gospel of the kingdom the earth is the Lord's the throne of David is the Lord's he is king of kings and lord of lords and he will sit on the throne of David that's the message that's gone out. And these, in the fifth seal, these believers are being persecuted for that and being martyred for that. So we'll see that a little later on, yeah? Why these judgments are terrifying, let's just remind ourselves that we have the promise from chapter 3, verse 10, that we will not go through these tribulations. Because thou, thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. 
we've gone. Yes, the church is gone. And the church is gone, so has the Holy Spirit gone. And the Holy Spirit is a restraining influence of evil in this world. And the Holy Spirit has gone with the rapture of the church. That's why such horrendous judgments are now coming upon the world. Providential judgments. And the God of all the earth does right, isn't he? he makes no mistakes. He is righteous in his judgments. So let's talk about the seals. I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals and I heard, as it were, the voice of thunder. There's always lots of noise in Revelation. There's lots, lots of thunder and things like that because it's, it's a mighty, powerful message. And the four living creatures say, Come. And he said, I saw and behold a white horse and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown was given unto him and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, we mustn't mistake this white horse with the white horse that the Lord Jesus comes with. Yes? White horse speaks of conquering triumphant victory. And in Revelation chapter 19, we see the second coming of Christ. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. He that sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. The coming of Christ with his church, with his people, with Old Testament saints, that's the Lord on a white horse, victorious in power. This person is somebody totally different. We're not told who it is, but this person is on a white horse, and he's gone, he's gone forth, and he's conquered, and he's succeeded in his conquering, and he has gained a crown. And basically what it's saying is the Lord has raised up a king to do his bidding and fulfill his will in the earth. That's what's predicted by the white horse. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then there's a red horse. He's the horses of the apocalypse. Power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth. Who's given him that power? It's the Lord. He's in overall control of everything and it's to take peace from the earth and that they should kill one another and there was given him a great sword that's close warfare yes when there's swords there's very much close warfare with the white horse it was a bow wasn't it we don't hear of a sword it's a bow which is some reckon that's distant warfare or easy conquest when a sword comes out, it's much more nasty and hand-to-hand -hand combat. I always think of Henry V, you know, in the Battle of Agincourt, because I like history. <laughs> and the Battle of Agincourt, what won the battle was the bow, the English longbow. And the interesting thing about the English longbow, it was Welshmen who were, <laughs> who were firing the bows. <laughs> so that was interesting, because there were a lot of them were Welsh. They, they, they were firing the longbows. And the, and the longbows 
decimated the French cavalry. Yes, it penetrated their armour and just more or less massacred them in a big way. But when it came to hand-to-hand -to -hand battle with swords and axes and things like that, there was blood everywhere, yes, and just mass <coughs> murdering of each other. And that's a similar picture that we're getting here. Civil war. They kill one another. Civil war. Now we know from our own history, don't we, that what happened to Syria. What a lovely, pleasant country Syria was till it went into civil war. <coughs> it's decimated the country. Still fighting to this day, aren't they? It's a picture what's happening now, but these are much more severe judgments that are coming upon the world. Yeah. We've talked about Ukraine, we've talked about war, we've talked about, you know, when you think about Putin, the Lord is allowing Putin his reign of government. The powers that be are ordained of God. He's allowed him to inflict this war for his own purposes. We may not know those purposes, but he's allowed him to inflict them. He raises up people. Yes. In the book of Exodus, when we, when we think of Pharaoh, you know, all the judgments that came upon Pharaoh, Pharaoh hardened his heart. It also says the Lord hardened his heart. And the Lord says to him, for in this very deed, for this cause, have I raised thee up, for to show thee my power and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. So Pharaoh was raised up for God's glory and for God's will to be fulfilled with regards to the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. Raised him up for that purpose. There's another lovely example in, in Cyrus. Before he was born, he was written. It was written that he would deliver the children of Israel out of Babylon. He would let them go home out of Babylon back to their own land. And he would prosper them in the building of their temple in Jerusalem. And the, and the Lord calls him my shepherd. He's a Gentile king. And the Lord called him, but he's my Shepherd, I have raised him up for this purpose. And that was a good sense he was raised up. Other times as a, as a bad sense, isn't it? And then we've got the black horse. And the black horse is famine, isn't it? Lots of famine. A pair of balances in his hand. And I heard the voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, A measure of wheat for a penny three measures of barley for a penny. A penny was a day's wage for a soldier or a labourer. Yeah. A day's wage. So when there's a, scarce, a scarcity of wheat and barley, which are the commodities of life, isn't it, to sustain life, when there's not much of them going about, and if you haven't got a job and you haven't got a penny to buy these things, you're in big trouble, aren't you? And he says, hurt not the oil or the wine. And it's probably only the rich that can avoid, uh, afford the oil and the wine. But even that wouldn't sustain them for long, would it? Eventually, they would 
succumbed to the famine as well. So famine, wars, famine, pestilence. Awful things, aren't they? Terrible tragedies. When he'd opened the fourth seal, I looked and behold a pale horse. Name that sat in was death and hell followed him. Power was given unto him. Who was given him the power? The Lord. And he's given him power over the fourth part of the earth. That's one quarter. Later on we read about one third. So when there's more intensity of judgments further on, it's one third, not one quarter. So it's increasing in intensity. And the one third, most brethren believe that is the Roman earth. Yes? Revived Roman Empire, the beast of the revived Roman Empire, one third is his territory. So particular judgments upon that. To kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. So even the, all this death and destruction and famine going around, even the beasts are coming in. The wild beasts. And then this is the fifth seal. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar of the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. These are these martyrs. They cried with a loud voice, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? That's not a language of a Christian, is it? We don't want vengeance or avenge people. Christians don't do that. This is a totally different context that they are in. Because God will avenge their blood. White robes were given unto them. They said unto them they should rest for a little season until their fellow servants and their brethren should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. So these are martyred. They are dead, yes. They're waiting for a resurrection. And the Lord saying to them, there's some more yet to die and be martyred. So just bear your patience till the rest of the martyrs join you, then there'll be a resurrection of all of them. And that's a, an interesting thing that you, you learn when you read in Revelation, because in the Baptist church I was going over, I wasn't aware there was two resurrections. I wasn't <laughs> at first aware there was, a, there was a millennial kingdom. I wasn't aware of those things, I wasn't read it. <laughs> Simple as that, not read it. But here we can read it. There is two resurrections. Right. First resurrection is us, isn't it? We shall rise from among the dead, or if we're living, we shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's the first resurrection. Now, about these martyrs, it says here, there's some more added to their list in chapter 20. It says, I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. They're part of the first resurrection with those in the fifth seal. Are you staying with me on this? They're part of the first resurrection. Uh, and then it says, those who had not worshipped the beast, nor his image, neither received the mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. 
But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. That's all the unbelievers. There's a, a resurrection for them at the end of the millennium. They are res resurrected in a bodily state to judgment. Yeah. And it says, blessed and holy, or says, this is the first resurrection, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. So these saints are earthly saints. They've been martyred uh, and the Lord says you will be resurrected body at the start of the millennium. They will be alive. They come alive, it says. In the resurrection. And they are part of us, the first resurrection, in that sense. But what you don't want to be is part of the second. Because you're cast into the lake of fire. Simple as that. Scary stuff, isn't it? So you can see how the whole book of Revelation is linked. I've gone right to nearly the end there. And it's still relevant to what we're reading about in chapter 6. Therefore, it's important we read the whole to get the whole holistic approach of what <coughs> Revelation is teaching us. Then, behold, when he had opened the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sockcloth of hair. The moon became as blood. The stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs shaken of a mighty wind and the heaven departed as a scroll as it is rolled together and every mountain and island was moved out of their places etc 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 now obviously this is symbolic figurative language yeah, of the power of nature if the sun became black as sockcloth and the moon as blood and if the stars fell from heaven There'd be nothing left, would there? If it's physically the sun, the moon, and the stars falling from sky, or the sky disappearing altogether, it obviously doesn't mean that, does it? Because there'd be nothing left. So, Genesis speaks of the sun. And it speaks of the sun to rule by day. It's interesting it mentions the word rule. <coughs> the sun rules by day. The moon and the stars rule by night. So the sun is supreme authority, the highest authority you can get. Yes. The moon is subservient authority, and the stars are lesser authorities or individual rulers. So what is this figurative language telling us here? It's, it's telling us there's going to be a total breakup of civil government and power civil, social, political chaos, total anarchy, that's what it means disruption altogether of the things that are going on at this present time portrayed in such language as we've said and then it says the kings of the earth Great men and rich men, chief captains and the mighty men, every bondman free, hid themselves in dens and in rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come. That is a false assumption of theirs, yes. 
They, they think these judgments are so bad that they can recognize that God is intervening in the world. They've recognized that. But there's worse judgments to come. So <laughs> they've got that wrong, yes? There's much more coming beyond that uh, for their judgment. So how do you feel now at the moment when you've gone through all those things and, and you've, you understand what they mean and the language of them and the figurative language of them, the symbolism of it all? It's, it's quite hard to take in, isn't it, and grasp. And give thanks that we're not in it. You know, give thanks for our personal salvation that we won't be going through this horrible experience in the world but it's all for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and it will end up with blessing on the earth in the millennium so it all ends well in blessing in the millennium and we have to remember when it comes to the millennium uh, Christ is the the judge of the quick and the dead and that word quick means the living. So he judges the living. And what it says in the Bible is when he's in his millennial reign, the gospel of the kingdom's gone out. Some nations will not accept that gospel of the kingdom. Some have. And they're classified as sheep and goats. The goats go into everlasting punishment. The sheep, everlasting life. But they are living at the time. And judgment comes upon the living as well because all judgment is given unto the Lord Jesus Christ so we see a different thing isn't it revelation takes us into a, a new dimension altogether but how wonderful that uh, when he comes in that white horse <laughs> we come with him Yes. And it will be glorious what we see. And we shall reign with him. That's even amazing as well, isn't it? Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. We shall reign with him in that millennial kingdom according to the rewards that are given us, if we have any. But I hope we have some. But it'll be the rewards that are given us. We shall reign with him. So we'll see all that glory of the millennial kingdom. But we still have our own glory when, when we look at the end, when we see the, the church, the new heavenly Jerusalem. Wonderful, yeah. And it comes and rests over the millennial earth. Wonderful language. Let's pray. Our Father, we do indeed thank Thee for our Lord Jesus Christ. And we acknowledge all the glory that is given unto Him. And all judgment is in His hands. We have thought about disasters this evening in our prayers. And we see many of that right across the world. We thank for the lovely picture of our Lord Jesus Christ coming into this world with such compassion. 
that he would heal the multitudes and he would lift up his hand upon every one of them and heal them from whatever ailment they had. <laughs> 